Welcome to the Leadership Drift, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to the table. But before we do, could you do us a favor and hit that subscribe button? While you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drip. Jeff, it is that time again. We're sitting here uh, on the beautiful campus of the university in a, in a somewhat moderate day for August. Oh, it's been so nice here. So if you like like 70 degree weather, this is your this is your time. To Unlike be here. June and July, which like baked our skin off. It was warm. It was, right. It was like. Like, I feel really sorry for people who have to live in places like Texas, Texas, like way south, like Texas, Austin, Texas, like almost in Mexico, like almost in Mexico. And and our guest today is kind of in almost to Mexico, Austin, Texas. And I know it's hot there, but man, we love to have Jay Gordon on the show. Uh, she is a fantastic young leader doing incredible things. Uh, she's a speaker and um, and a motivator, and she's a good friend of mine. So, so we should be prepared to be motivated. We should be prepared to be motivated because right. that's what she does. Jade, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. It's great. Hey, you know, so uh, we have this running tally on the show all the time about my Cali vibes and the people that I get on the show from California um and jeff's sort of chicago well i'll claim the midwest the whole midwest the whole midwest he's got like that whole vibe going and and we're not sure what the score is but (laughs) today points don't matter i get sort of the privilege because you just recently moved to austin but before that you were in malibu so i'm counting that as socal vibes okay hey i'll give it to you i'll give you all the cali vibes (laughs) how's, how's the transition been to austin Oh, people here are so nice. It's been so amazing. But like you said, it is hot. Oh, my gosh. I am not used to it. My skin, I feel like it's burning off. I'm sweating all the time. I'm like, I want to go back. But people here are yeah. the reason why I moved. It's It seems cliche. The other Austin friends we have, Jamie and Aaron Ivy, when we had them on the show as a couple, yeah, Jamie was eating a taco. Like that's that couldn't that's be true. more Austin, I think, than like having a taco while you're doing a podcast. And he's like a really cool guy. Like he carries the whole hipster vibe. Yeah, yeah. eating it's, a taco while on a podcast. Yeah, they are like Austin through and through. Someday I may achieve that level of coolness, but I doubt it. I highly doubt it. So anyway, hey, Jade is on the show. Now we're going to cover some things here first because you are actually a Clemson alum, like from South Carolina. So you're a you're a Clemson Tiger at heart. I know you are, but now you're stuck in like Hook'em Horns country, right? I mean, sort of the same colors, but not. So how you dealing with the uh, with the vibes there? You know, I'm I'm loyal to Clemson, but I'm a football fanatic. So I'm like any football game I can go to. I'm already, you know, looking at the schedule to go to the, the um, Texas games that we were just at Texas A&M. So I'm like any football game, sign me up. But Clemson, everybody knows where my heart is. So it's, it's okay. So we got to we got to know, can Dabo win another championship or can is, he, it, is he a one and done guy? No, 100% he can. It's I don't know what happened last year. Honestly, I don't know what that was, but he's got the talent, the skill. We just got to execute. We it just was just post. Execute. It was post Trevor Lawrence. Let's be honest. I mean, the dude was good. Yeah, yeah and he had right? great hair. And he had that hair for crying out loud. Like, how can you not win? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. Okay, so let's get let's get some of the obvious things out of the way because I mean I, I know, and we'll talk about this a little bit just because of of who you are and where you're from. 
Um, but your dad, okay, is, is a famous, I would say famous yeah. uh, in the sense of he's a best-selling author. He's a leadership guru. He literally speaks all over the country and the world doing leadership stuff. All right, so your dad is John Gordon and you're Jade Gordon, who is this amazing human being sort of following in his footsteps now. And so I know that you and I have kind of talked about it, but it'd be really cool to sort of hear uh, your story of how you decided to, uh, I wouldn't say fairly recently, but recently, um, you know, kind of decided, you know what, this is what God's plan is for my life. And you kind of stepped into that. So what has that been like for you? Yeah. So growing up, uh, my dad was, you know, obviously this very positive guy. And I was, I would always tell people it's annoying. I don't want to be around it. And when your parents talk to you about stuff, right. You just don't want to hear it. It goes right. in one ear and out the other. And so people were like, are you going to, you know, speak on leadership? I'm like, no, I will never do that. And then, um, you know, I graduated college with a degree in communication, moved out to, to LA and didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I was kind of lost. I was figuring out what my, my purpose was, what my passion was, how I could step into that. And uh, I met a girl at um, Nobu Malibu and, where I worked and she, you know, prayed for me. And she said, I believe that you're going to go all over the country speaking to people and impacting them. And for me, that was just like a light bulb that was like, wow, she doesn't even know what my dad does. But yeah. I, I can do this. Like I have lived this my whole life. I've heard it every single day since I was, you know, very young. And so I was like, I think this is something I want to do. And then I started to meet a lot of teachers, um, a lot of students that were struggling, especially, you know, the younger generation with, you know, everything with COVID, their mental health, how to have this mental toughness. And I said, you know, my dad, he's 50, right? He's going around speaking to all these people. But if there was somebody my age, when I was younger, that was telling me these things that I could relate to that would have changed everything. Cause I don't want to yeah. hear it from my dad. I don't want to hear it from an old man. And so I said, I have the ability and the knowledge to go around and share this with people. And so I started doing it. I was like, God, what am I here to do? He, you know, showed me a very clear path. My dad threw me into it and <laughs> now, now I'm doing it. So, and it's That's been right. amazing. I want to, I want to talk about this Nobu moment oh, where okay. some lady uh, shows up to pray well, for do you. you. Know, do you know what Nobu is? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Okay. Just making sure. Only, only because I stalked her Instagram earlier. Oh, where she tells the story. I mean, I had a little familiarity, but listen, I may be Midwest, but I'm not dumb. That's like, true. That's true. I didn't say you were dumb. I just curious. Right, well, so I, I mean, we've all had you. Rob. We've all had that moment, right? right? Somebody comes up and goes, "Let me pray for you," and sometimes it's super awkward, super creepy, and super weird, and it's sometimes still super accurate with what the Lord's doing. So unpack that moment when this lady comes up to you and goes, "Hey, let me pray for you," and in a sense gives you some sort of prophetic kind of direction. Like, how did you know? that was it like that moment why did that click so much right then and there when somebody else had probably already said that before so the story is kind of that i was at work one day and um i just was not happy it was just kind of miserable going to work every single day saying what am i here to do it's not to go to a restaurant and so uh, these two women are talking and the one woman says tell her and the other one says no and she's like tell her and i'm thinking tell me what so I walk over and I say, you know, like, how can I help you? And she says, well, you know, I came all the way here from North Carolina just to come to this restaurant and the Lord has blessed me. And so I was prepared to give somebody $200 today, no matter what I spent, even if I got a water. And she said, but our service was awful. 
And I said, I'm so sorry. I can get a manager. You know, you can let them know. She said, no, it's okay. I just want to tell you. And I said, okay. I said, well, you said you came from North Carolina. I actually went to Clemson in South Carolina and immediately her tone just completely changed. She said, oh my gosh, what are you doing all the way out here? I said, well, I uh, you know, graduated college, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I decided to move out here and figure it out. It's the best place to figure it out, right? LA, so many opportunities. And we started talking and she said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, can I pray for you? And I said, please, I would love that. So she you know, puts her arm, her hand on my shoulder and she starts praying and saying, God, I know this girl's fearful. She does not know what she's here to do. Please show her, allow her to step into her calling. Don't let that fear hold her back. I see her traveling all over the country, impacting people and speaking to them. She had no idea what my dad did, had yeah. no idea this was even something I was thinking about doing. Mm. And immediately I was like, oh my gosh. And then after that, she was like, can I hug you? And obviously this is like <laughs> the middle of COVID, right? Right, I'm like, right, right. So we're sitting there hugging and we're crying. Like she's crying. I'm crying. It's this special moment. And I was like, thank you. I needed that. And she said, you know what? I believe God had me come all the way across the country and have crappy service just so I could tell you that. <laughs> and I was like, it was the coolest moment ever. And immediately I, I left. I called my dad. I said, I think I know what I'm meant to do. And yeah. now I'm doing it. That's so cool. Okay. So uh, two things. Number one, um, crappy surface at Nobu. Like that's, I'm not sure how to take that. Like that's, it's like a, that's like a pretty sophisticated restaurant. Right. Yeah. But that's cool. I hope you weren't the server. Right? <laughs> no, no, okay. So, but that's cool. But anyway, I think that's one thing. I think the cultural context of where this happened is also significant because we're talking in the heart, like the belly, of the beast in terms of, you know, uh, gosh, I don't want to use just political terms there, but just sort of liberal ideology and thought, you know, and just sort of culture and people, and here you are in the middle of this restaurant, you know, God is speaking to you. And I think that should be in and of itself by itself an encouragement. Like no matter where you are, God can move. God yeah. can speak no matter what the context of the situation or the circumstance, if you're open and you're ready to receive, like you could have said no out of fear, you know, are you a Christian? Right. I mean, depending on how that came across, but but, but you said yes. And so, so here we are having the conversation, which I think is really cool. And I think also it is just a, a great lesson for us to learn that God does radical things like that at times in our life. I know he's done Still, it in your life. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking out across my campus right now. And I remember walking down that little sidewalk between alumni park and some guy randomly coming up to me and saying, Hey, the Lord told me to give me this, give you this, that you're doing the right thing. And what he didn't know was that I had just asked God like a few minutes earlier, I need to know if you need me to go to the mission field or not, right? Because I don't know how to raise money. And so I'm walking across campus, some kid I never met, some guy I never met, hands me a hundred bucks and says, this is for you. God says, go do it, right? I mean, those are just really cool God stories in our lives where he confirms for us those callings and those passions. So great story, Jade. I, I love kind of how that came to pass. Now, obviously your dad is who he is and you've heard that your whole life. But what are some of those first immediate things where when you knew that this is God was calling you to do, what are some of those first lessons that popped up in your mind? You're like, okay, now I remember. Um, it's my favorite one is talk to yourself instead of listen to yourself. Because, um, you know, when I said this is something I wanted to do, somebody actually said on Instagram, you know, how, how social media can be, they said, okay, that's great that she wants to do this, but what makes her qualified? 
And so I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I had a lot of, yeah. you know, doubt come in that said, why am I supposed to do this? But I, I, you know, had to use the lesson that I was going to teach, which is if I listen to myself, I hear all the negativity, the thoughts, the lies, all the reasons why I can't do this. But if I talk to myself, I can fuel myself with words of encouragement to kind of fuel myself to do this. And so instead of listening to those lies, I said, wait, hold on a second. I have lived this my whole life. I know these things like the back of my hand. I have the ability to do this. And so that was the first thing that I had to remember is don't listen to those lies because you're going to have all this distraction. When you're living your purpose, your passion and your calling, you're going to face those challenges. You're going to face that adversity. But we have to remember to stay you know, strong in those moments to be able to do those things. So that's probably the first thing. So Jade, you mentioned earlier that like as you sort of unpack the calling and the purpose for your life that you thought, Hey, this generation needs a young voice to say these things. So we, we, we are all Maxwellites, John Maxwell and the leadership is influenced and those type of things. So how do you define sort of leadership and impact as a young adult? Um, the principles are maybe true, but how are you communicating that to your generation? So we teach with principle story application. So I'll share with them a principle on how to be a positive leader because, you know, as there's a gap in the generations. And I, I think that the gap is we tell people that they should lead, but we're not teaching them how to lead. Yeah. So when I talk about leadership, I'm teaching them a principle. Okay, positive leaders, they lead with optimism, positivity, and belief. Then I tell them a story so that they can relate to it. Because it'd be different if I stand up there and I say, you have to be positive, and them being like, okay, how? So I'm telling them a story about a time where I was like in a challenge where I had to stay positive. I had to have that faith over fear. I have to be optimistic. And then once I tell them that story to where they can picture it, maybe in their own lives and that kind of, you know, connects with them, I give them action steps or an action plan or application to be able to do that. So I think it's teaching them a principle, telling them a story and giving them that application step instead of being like, hey, you need to be positive. Okay, but how? How do I do that? You know? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's, well, it's kind of like what Jesus did with the, <laughs> with the parables and stuff. Sometimes right? he was story first. Though, Sometimes yeah. he was pretty good at what he did. Uh, yeah. No, but I, I love this conversation because I think you, I think you, you identified a key factor there. And that was that gap between like people, my age, people, your age, and we've had a ton of conversations about this stuff. But the point is this, this application piece is so critical because it's not only about giving them the application. It's also about my generation knowing how to give them the application. So, so what you see this a lot in local church, a lot of local churches would love to have young adults involved in ministry in some capacity. And so they say, Hey, we would love to have you get involved in ministry. And a young adult says, well, where, how, why, with what? Right. And you're like, uh, go volunteer somewhere and figure it out. Like we need to do a better job. I think of saying, Hey, we want you to be a part of what we do in a local church. And here's how we want you to do it. Right. Here's why we want you to do it. And I think that would help close the gap a little bit between some of that disconnect between the young adult kind of senior adult mentality in, in the local church context. What's what's the Liam Neeson movie where he says, I think it's taken. He goes, I have a certain set of skills. Yes. Right. I, I feel like young adults, that's their catchphrase. And they want to serve from that skill set. And we're yeah. just, oftentimes, I think, trying to put them somewhere where their skills are, are not a match. Right. And so I think, one of the things, and Jade, maybe echo or you can push back on this, is that the young adults are looking for a place to serve within the skill set God has given them, not just some random place. Right. 
I think that that's where they feel added value and more more purposeful in that. Yeah. So, so so then for you, Jay, like, what is some of these? What are some of these uh, transitional issues that you're experiencing right now? Like, especially uh, with the peers that you're mentoring, you're teaching, and you're coaching. Like, what are some of those big walls that you're coming up against? Because I think that would be helpful for us to understand. Because we don't want to fight the battles that we don't have to fight. You right. know what I'm saying? So. What is what are some of those resistance factors that exist that you're seeing in a young adult generation that we could do a better job of looking at? I think um, a lot of it is, especially today in today's society with social media and comparison. I think they don't want to, you know, have this microscope on them, or they don't want to start leading people because they're kind of afraid on how it will make them look. They don't want to be the first person to do it. And so a lot of times when I do like these workshops with these students, they have great ideas. They just don't want to say them or they don't want to be that person to lead because mm -hmm. they're afraid of, you know, maybe pushback from their peers or maybe being looked at in a different way. Like they don't want to go first. And so that's why I tell them like positive leaders or leaders, they go first. Like if you want commitment or if you want connection you have to first show that you're committed you have to first create that connection and so i think that a lot of the times they are afraid to just start leading to just go out there and do it and so that's like one of the things i talk to them about is why are you not doing that and they say because i don't think i'm good enough i don't mm -hmm. think i'm worthy and then that's where it comes in with those negative thoughts and i tell them no you need to speak truth to those lies so once i start having them tell themselves, no, I am worthy. I'm supposed to be here. I'm good enough. Then it gives them the confidence because a lot of times they don't have that confidence. And then once they have that confidence and kind of knowing what they're supposed to do, then they're able to go do it. So it's that initial wall of not wanting to go first, but also not having the confidence to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, because at the same time we, we have without a doubt, the most entrepreneurial generation that's ever existed so those two things are definitely like in conflict with each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it, it's, it's a strange reality. Yeah. That, that was sort of where I was leaning Rob is that it feels like there's a lot of people who have lots of great ideas and are going into it, maybe lacking the wisdom of how to lead. Like, I feel like yeah. that's as big of a conversation. Like you got a lot of people with great ideas and it feels like on the other side of maybe the spectrum is all these people with, with great ideas, no clue how to go about that. So what would be the the first step for somebody sitting there going, Hey, I've got a great idea and I'm not afraid, but I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I would say if you have mentors, talk to them about it, ask them like, how do I execute this? I'm not afraid to do it, but how do I do this? I think it's surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you help lift you up and kind of point you in the right direction. Cause that's what I've kind of done is, okay, well, I want to speak. Right. And I want to impact people. And yeah, my dad does it, but I can't just rely on my dad. So what am I doing? So I started kind of seeking other mentors that are in the same, you know, speaking field. I, you know, try and set up calls to be like, Hey, I'm ready to go for it, but what are ways that I can improve? How can I do this? So I really think it's, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are going to help elevate you to that level to execute. Because if you're surrounded by people that are kind of like, I don't know, like figure it out. Or why are you even doing that? You're not going to be able to put yourself in a position to achieve that, whatever you're trying to accomplish. Right. So it's environment. It's who you surround yourself with that will help you uh, kind of bring that out. Yeah. And I, I'm sitting here thinking because I, I, we've talked a lot on the show about mentors, reverse mentoring. Um, 
And honestly, one of the hardest things to do for young adults, unfortunately, is to actually find people who are willing to journey with them to mentor them. Right. I mean, so part of that is on us. Part of that is on, on the young adult generation, young adults, the next generation, because when they get a rejection or a no from someone, they want to mentor them, they kind of shut it down and say, well, you know, I can't find a mentor. And and honestly, it's just hard work. It's risky work because it's relational equity that you're spending to ask someone to say, Hey, will you be a part of this? Will you help me or will you mentor me? And so I think, I think that's just part of the, again, a bridge that we have to build between the generations is one guys, my and Jeff's age, which we're not that old. Let's just be honest. We're not that old. Not that old. 30 is not old. Yeah. I'm totally 30. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally 30. But you know, a guy's our age, we got to do a better job at making ourselves available to, to allow young adults to enter our kingdom. Right. I mean, like, you know, we, we earned this. Yeah. We got here, whatever, but, but we've got to be a little bit more open to to allowing that. Yeah. I don't know that the fear is any different though. I think sometimes we fear mentoring and, and you and I do not to brag on us, but I think we do a pretty good job. We got a lot of students, you got the young adults that we spend a lot of time with, but people our age, I think we're a little bit afraid that we don't have anything to give away. Yeah. True. And I think on both sides of it, like the young adults, don't be afraid to ask, the those that that are being asked don't be afraid simply to give away what you already have like like the responsibility is not to be a genius the responsibility is just to give away what knowledge you do have yeah like you have more than that person so give that away and i trust that the lord to give you more which has been if i can just be vulnerable for a second one of my big achilles heels as a leader myself is right. because of my my slight uh perfectionism <laughs> right like if I'm going to give somebody something, it's got to be perfect. But really what they want is just to spend time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, you agree. I mean, it's just really to kind of enter your world and see what you do and to know your rhythms and all that kind of stuff. They're not looking for, you know, the next bestseller. They're just looking for someone to invest in them. Is that right. been your experience? Even when we were in Israel, like me asking yeah. you all those questions, some of the times you were like, I mean, I'm not God. I don't have the answer. And that's okay. It was just for you to take the time to have those conversations with me to feel like it was a safe space to know that somebody was going to listen to what I had to say kind of thing, you yeah. know? And y'all, let me tell you, for 10 solid days in Israel, me and Jade had some conversations. Girl loves to ask questions, but I love it, though. It's like the highlight of the whole trip for me, just about just being able to you know, to, to do my best to try to navigate those questions. And they were great questions, by the way. And I think that's, I think that's a really fair assessment of this sort of relational and mentor relationship. We don't have to have all the answers. And the safest answer, if you don't know, is I don't know. Yeah. Like, let me get back to you. Let me look into that. Let me find out who does know like the perfectionism or the, the, if we talk Enneagram, the Enneagram three, who's always on stage, like, the thing, the last thing I think young adults want is a lie. True. Like, they'll yeah. see through it. They'll see through it. Yeah. So the most authentic thing you can do is go, Hey, I don't know. Let me find somebody who does, or let me find out the answer to that. And, and what I've learned from young adults and Jade, you can respond to this is they're okay with that. Yeah. Like they're okay with, I don't know. I mean, is that fair to say? 100%. They want to see vulnerability. They want to see like, oh, I'm, you know, they don't want to see, oh, I'm perfect. I'm going to give you a perfect answer. It's honestly, I don't know, but maybe we can research together or we can figure it out. Or maybe I can just be alongside you to kind of figure this out. You know, I, I think it's like you were saying the authenticity, young adults, they can see right through that. They know yeah. when you're BSing them. They yeah. 
Yeah. So here, here's here's another question. I, I know you do a lot of power of positive leadership stuff, which is amazing and excellent. Um, how are you building resilience into those conversations? Because I think, you know, we've kind of touched on a little bit of what, what a lot of these young adults don't understand yet is what it's going to take to actually get to the place where God has called them to be, because it's not all easy. And I know your own personal story and your own personal journey. And it's not been, it's not like you just woke up and it was all there together. I mean, you, you've had some, you've had some twists and turns along the way. Right. And so, so how are you helping them build resilience into pursuing what God has called them to do? So I actually have, it's funny you say that I'm actually talking with my dad and we want to write a book and also create a training program and also just a talk to be able to give this to young adults. I want to talk about confidence and identity because Mm. I feel like a lot of times, like again, my story, we struggle at the place of our identity. A lot of the times that's where we're attacked. Right. And so I want to talk to young adults of having that confidence and knowing that your identity is not tied to your performance. It's not how you play in, a, in you know, your sport. It's not what grades you get. It's not, you know, what you do. It's who you are. It's who God says you are. And a lot of times, and again, in today's society, everything is tied to like quantifiable things. It's what are you doing? How are you doing this? And it's just attack. I mean, people are struggling so much mental health, so much anxiety, depression. And so if I can create something where I'm talking to these young adults about just knowing who you are and not struggling with, okay, what am I doing? And that's defining who I am. I think that'll allow them to be an even more positive leader or want to start leading people because they'll have that confidence and knowing who God created them to be. And then that's, that's kind of how it starts. Yeah. You've quoted a stat on the show many times about how many freshmen come in with a diagnosed mental health diagnosis and anxiety and and identity seems to be wrapped around all of those conversations. This is, I think a critical conversation at a critical time, Jade. Um, I'll be looking forward to that book. So I'll give you my address where you can send it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and, And again, what's, what's really cool is identity performance dynamics are not just young adult issues, right? They're human issues, right? I mean, these are biblical issues. These are straight out of creation conversation issues, right? I mean, and so it's kind of like the age old uh, dragon that we've got to slay in each of our lives in order for us to really live out the fullest reflection of who God has called us to be. Now that fullest reflection may not be as a social media influencer. You may, it may be as a, as a local, you know, cook at a restaurant somewhere, you, you know, and that's totally cool. Like if that's the highest expression that God has given mm-hmm. to you and you're living out to the fullness of your ability yeah. with joy and peace and, you know, with, with power and with effectiveness and sharing the gospel and all those things then great. Right. Yeah. Um, that's not the point, but we, we so culturally and humanly associate performance and value and identity. And, and I think this conversation about kind of untangling that, uh, in a healthy way is yeah. is critical. Jay, give us just a hot take maybe on this thought because I feel like our our like we're in we're in fields that require metrics. Rob here on campus, I've yeah. pastored local church, but our whole world now is about metrics. Like how many likes, how many followers, like everything's got a metric to it anymore. Yeah. So in a world that's consumed by measurement of identity, is how do we untangle that to really find true identity? that's not attached to the metrics of our life. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a tough question. Um, but my dad's actually teaching on this now to a lot of sports teams, and he's actually shared it with my friends who you know struggle with anxiety and depression about how in this world we live in a world of duality, right? So a lot of times we feel separate. We feel separate from ourselves. We feel separate from other people. We look at social media and that causes us to feel separate, right? But when we we remember that when we're created, we are one with God, we have to remember to keep going back to the oneness with God and knowing who we truly are, who we were created to be. And everything outside of us is just a, a, you know, a, a reflection of what, it's like kind of hard to explain, but it's a, it's something that's attacking us, right? And we have to remember that as leaders, we have to lead from the inside out. We can't allow the outside world to affect us in that way, right? So when something's happening, there's social media or, you know, you're looking online and a girl's like, oh my gosh, she's so pretty. Why don't I look like that? Or a guy's like, wow, he has bigger muscles or he's doing, you know, he's a better football player, whatever it is. It's We have to remember that any outside force is separating us from who God created us to be, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that we have the ability to be a leader, to encourage people, to impact people. And I think it's, again, it's really hard because we all struggle with it, right? But it's always trying to remember and remind ourselves that likes don't matter at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. that whatever we do does not matter at the end of the day. It's who we are, who our heart is. And we really struggle with that as a society. So I think that's really important to remember that all the quantifiable stuff, all the things that you're doing, it's not who you are. Yeah, yeah, that is. And as I was thinking, I mean, I think it it goes, it always comes back. And we've said this a thousand times on the show, but I'm going to say it again because the question still remains. It all comes back to our ability to disciple the next generation. Right. How, how are we investing? How are we scripturally strengthening the next generation that's coming behind so, us. so i think it's a very fair question to somebody who's from the next generation how would you want to be discipled jade what does that look like for you um in my life uh i have you know mentors that reach out to me they ask me like how's your heart how's your relationship with god or you know how are you being a leader today how can i encourage you i think the most important thing is that a lot of times people feel alone and so it's just knowing that somebody's thinking about you or checking in or saying, how are you doing? How can I be there for you? And, you know, they'll share the gospel. We'll talk about Bible verses. I have friends who are like, hey, I heard this in church today. I think you would love this. And it's just knowing, even if it wasn't even a Bible verse or a story from the Bible, it was just knowing that this person was thinking about me. Mm-hmm. And so a lot again, a lot of times we feel isolated, we feel alone. That's why there's a lot of anxiety, frustration, depression. And so I think it's important when you're being discipled is just knowing that somebody cares. Yeah. Just simply. Yeah. yeah. So so the same is true then. <laughs> right. Uh they don't care what you know unless they know you care, right? I mean, that's exactly. that's the principle still still kind of resonates. All right. So so you're you're kind of stepping into this new leadership development. Uh, world. Okay. So you're, you're growing, you're learning, you're experiencing, you're also sharing a lot. Um, I think it's really important for us. And I know Jeff and I have, if you want the list, we'll give them to you like our own list of leadership failures, right? <laughs> Things that we, we like, that, oh, that, was, that was bad. Like we I shouldn't have, have done that. that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so for you as an early young leader to this point, like what are some of the the toughest leadership lessons that you've learned so far? 
I don't know about toughest in the sense of, I think things that I really had to learn is that we oftentimes think like when you're a leader, you have to be like super positive, right? It's all about positivity. But I think the most important thing is learning that it's not just about being positive. It's learning how to deal with the negativity, mm-hmm. because if you can go out and you can be positive and you can kind of like try and encourage people. But if you're not showing ways that instead of just being positive, you're showing ways how to deal with that adversity, that negativity, those challenges that come along. I think that's the most important thing that I've learned is it's not just me going out, impacting people and sharing with them how they can be a better leader. It's no acknowledging that negativity is going to happen all the time, that it's around you, that you have to remember ways to deal with it so that you can then be more positive. And I also think something that I've had to learn is that I'm going around and I'm speaking to people and I'm sharing this stuff, but you have to fuel yourself before you can fuel others. Because a lot of times I was, you know, going out and trying to fuel people, but I wasn't fully filled. Right. And so you can't give what you don't have. And so I was struggling and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm supposed to be impacting people, but I don't feel like I can lead myself right now. So I think that was a really, really tough thing that I learned is I need to make sure I'm investing in myself before I invest in other people. That's that is the wisdom that we all need to take, because I think as as ministers, as leaders, as wherever we sit, I think the burnout factor is high because we run out of gas and we just keep giving away, giving away. Yeah. And we're giving away from from empty tanks. I um, it, it's almost like if you go to a well and there's no water at the bottom of the well, it's just dirt and mud. Like, yeah. And we, then we have nothing left to give. And yeah. so I think that's a such a key piece of wisdom that you got to first refresh yourself before you can refresh others. I, I'm a I'm an Enneagram too, so we can talk that. I've always struggled up until a couple of years ago with the uh, when you fly and they say put the mask on on yourself first. Yeah, I always want to give it to somebody else. Like, and, but I realized that I have to first put the mask on myself. So I'm alive to help somebody else. (laughs) It finally like clicked in my head. It's like, oh, that's why they want me to do it. And it's a similar principle that you first have to be alive to give life to somebody else. If you have no life, you can't give life away. That's good. Well, I'm a seven, so I'm totally putting my mask on first. Like, oh, I'm a two as well. So I'm thinking, how can I have a party to go to? You know, (laughs) are you an Enneagram too? Yeah. Thank God. I'm, a, I'm the helper. Yeah. Yes. And that's yeah. also something, again, that I, the reason why I've learned is because I just always want to help people. I want to be right. there for them. I want to just like, just pour into them, but then I get so drained and I'm yeah. like, Oh, you know, so I, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm like, let's get everybody's mask on. And I'm like, got yeah. no oxygen. Yeah. I'm dead in the aisle. <laughs> yeah. Not me though. No, no. Rob's got the mask on and a parachute jumping yeah, out of the plane. Like, so yeah. <laughs> Next plane, right? That's yeah. Anyway, hey, uh, so we have um, we have one final question we ask everybody on the show, and uh, uh, you can feel free to. It doesn't have to be like you know, whatever. We've had all kinds of strange answers, all kinds, all kinds. But anyway, so here's the question. So we ask everybody on the show, um, what is one lesson that you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom? Um, I think it's that learning how to communicate with people and that relationships are so important because we, you know, in college, we're like, okay, we're going to go to class. We're going to go, you know, hang out with people, but it's, it's 
the relationships that you cultivate that you can have for a lifetime that you don't really learn in the classroom. Like I'm a communications major, but they're not teaching me how to connect with people. They're teaching me how to articulate things. Right. So it's, it's how can I pour into people, connect with them, communicate to them how they want to be communicated to, because my, you know, receptiveness to how someone says something may be different than somebody else. So it's, Hey, do you want me to check in with you with the text? Do you want to meet in person? How can I be there for you so that we're creating this relationship? Cause when we talk about positive leadership, I talk about the four C's, which is how to build great relationships. So it's communication connection. So that communication creates that trust, right? You're communicating with them. Then you have the connection, which creates the bond. And then when you have that connection, you have to show that you're committed to them. It's we before me, it's service and sacrifice. So it's how can I show up for you? And then after that, it's care. You just have, they just have to know that you care. So mm. when you're creating those relationships and you're implementing the four C's, there's people that I talked to from college that I honestly didn't think I was going to talk to, but because we've established that amazing relationship, they're my friend for life. And yeah. so I think that's really important to, to know how to build those great relationships. That's good. If we've heard that once, we've heard it, well, maybe not yeah. hundred times. We've done 92 shows, 94 shows. We've heard it almost every, every show, single time. like yeah. like relationships during that season were so critical. Um, so we we are in agreement as friends have met in college. We we agree absolutely. <laughs> so absolutely, Jay, this has been a joy. Um, I'm excited for the work you're doing uh, that you talked about um, and what's going on. And as we always like to say here at the Leadership Trip, you've got to see the table. Thanks for being on the show, Jay. Love you, girl. Thank you. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drip. If something from this episode was helpful for you, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may reshare it on our channels. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.